your Bibles, please, if you would, and turn to 2 Timothy in chapter number 1. 2 Timothy in chapter number 1, and a very familiar verse, I think, for you, and one I'd like to squeeze some truth out of today. And you won't have to squeeze hard to get truth out of this verse. 2 Timothy in chapter number 1. 2 Timothy in chapter number 1, our text verse is going to be verse number 12, then we're going to turn just a page or two and read uh, one other scripture. 2 Timothy chapter number 1, if you would please stand with me for the reading of the Word of God. If you could look along with someone or share your Bible with someone nearby who may not be able to see, that would be most beneficial. And I'm so thankful that we're not reading out of a newspaper or a comic book. We're reading out of the eternal word of God. Amen. And so uh, join with me and read this verse together. 2 Timothy 1 verse 12. Ready? For the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed. And am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him. Against that day. The phrase there, for I know whom I have believed. I know whom I have believed. Uh, I, I, I don't know everything about him. I don't understand everything about him, but I know who he is. I know whom I have believed. Now turn just a page or two over, if you would, to the book of Titus. And that's the very next book. And the second chapter of Titus. Excuse me. Titus 1. Chapter 1. Apologize. Titus chapter 1. And we're going to read the first two verses. Titus chapter 1 and verses 1 and 2. Together please. Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ according to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledging of the truth which is after godliness, in hope of eternal life, which God, that cannot lie, promised before the world began. This interesting truth that's given to us in verse number 2. The Bible says, in hope of eternal life, which God, now we're getting ready to learn something about the character of God, that cannot lie, that cannot lie. Let me help you, friend, uh, theologically. Jesus Christ was tempted in all points, like as we are, yet without sin. To be sure, Christ felt hunger, thirst, pain, so forth. He knew temptation as you and I know temptation. But the Bible says that he was without sin. And we learn here in Titus 1 and verse number 2, it's not just that Jesus didn't lie. He couldn't lie. It was not in his nature. That's an important doctrine. God who cannot lie. In the beginning was the Word, capital W. The Word was with God and the Word was God. Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. Amen? And I'm so thankful that uh, he, 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 it's not in his nature. He couldn't lie if he wanted to. He would never want to and he couldn't if he would. I want to speak to you on this subject this morning. I don't know what to believe, but I know who to believe. I don't know what to believe, but I know who to believe. Father in heaven, through the power of the Holy Spirit, once more, communicate thy truth 
to the hearts of your people. To strengthen the faith of the believers that are among us. Thank you for the foolishness of preaching which you've ordained to salvage lives. And Lord, for those who need salvation, who need the new birth, need to be born again, need to be saved. May this be the day. Their minds, their hearts are open. They don't resist or push back against the Holy Spirit of God who lovingly draws them to the Father. But may this be the day that they receive thee as Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, and you may be seated. Uh, I grew up, of course, uh, attending uh, Sunday school and church and training union on Sunday night, an hour before the service, and going to camps and conferences and uh, going to the Christian school and Bible class in chapels and so forth. I had a real drug problem as a child, and uh, I, they drugged me to church on Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night, and so forth. No, they didn't drag me. Uh, but uh, but anyway, I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that I was going to church nine months before I was brought into the world. And uh, my mother here, of course, my dad here on the second row. I thank God for that, my uh, upbringing and being able to grow up in church and around the things of God. I don't remember. I think I remember who the teacher was. Uh, it was a buddy of mine, his father, if my memory serves me correctly. Uh, but since my memory doesn't serve me as correctly at once as once it did, all my stories are better than they used to be. And uh, but anyway, uh, but I have a memory of um, of sitting in a class. I don't know if it was a social class. I don't know if it was a training union or what it was. But I remember it was a discussion, and that the teacher that day was not the regular teacher. I'm pretty sure I have that gentleman in my mind. But uh, anyway. But I do remember the uh, the conversation. I remember the lesson. And the lesson posed a question. I don't remember the question. Just remember that we spent about 20 minutes talking about this question. And then the Lord brought a scripture to mind. As I was sitting in this class discussion. And the question, I don't remember the question. I don't remember the scripture. I remember the event. I remember uh, the, 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 having this discussion. We're talking about this question, you know. And then, uh, uh, it's like suddenly the, a verse dawned on me. And I remember saying, yeah, doesn't the Bible say such and such? And it was the end of the conversation. This was a Bible-believing teacher, but evidently. Uh, uh, maybe they were coming to that conclusion. I don't know. Maybe that was going to be the punchline at the end. I don't know. But I remember that it just closed down the conversation. There was no more discussion. Why? Because the Bible had spoken on the subject. Those of us who are Bible-believing Christians, those of us who believe in the final authority of Scripture, amen, uh, we, we do have, we do have access to absolute truth. And uh, uh, it's been in vogue for decades now in higher education uh, uh, to postulate that there's no such thing as absolute truth. And and uh, once in a while, I bump into some last week on the plane, I sat next to a fellow, quite a vocabulary. But anyway, uh, absolute truth was one of those things that uh, uh, was a little beneath them. And I, every time I meet somebody that, that says, you know, uh, your truth is not the same as my truth, you know, suggesting uh, uh, that uh, there's no such thing as absolute truth. I want to say, are you absolutely sure that there is no absolute truth? It's preposterous. It, uh, it is a self-defeating thought. And, uh, and, and, and I, 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 uh, 
I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad I have an authority. Amen. I, I don't understand everything in this book. I certainly don't understand the author. He is God. He's infinitely above me. His ways, the Bible says, are above my ways. His thoughts are above my thoughts. They're, they're past finding out. Uh, and, and so I, I don't understand you, but I, but I believe him. Amen. I believe him. I trust him. Amen. He says, well, I don't believe in anything I can't see. I put my hand in the life of four pilots in the last seven days. None of them I saw until I got off the plane. Anytime I get a chance, I say, thank you, fellas. Good landing. Amen. Amen. I want them to be happy. Amen. I want them to be... uh, Listen, uh, but I got on the plane by faith. Oh, nonsense. You heard somebody say that, and so you thought it sounded cute, so now you say it, and you look just as foolish as they did when they said it. You only believe in what you can see. Have you ever seen your brain? (laughs) Every single day we walk by faith. We exercise our faith. We put confidence in people and in things that we cannot see and we cannot explain. Every human being lives that way every single day of his life. Now listen, if you choose to to, to follow some thought and some idea of a professor who has a big bunch of degrees behind his name and, 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 uh, and, and sits in an ivory tower somewhere telling other people that nothing banged and became everything. If that, if you want to put your confidence there, that's your personal right to do so. God has given you faith. The Bible said it. You can put it wherever you want to. Where you put it will either increase it or diminish it. But you, if you want to choose to believe uh, uh, the, the, the professor who thinks he came from a monkey, you go ahead. I choose to believe in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. By the way, along with a lot of our founders who believe that all men were created equal, they were endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights. Yes. I'm in good company. How about you? Now, I'm not trying to shame you. I'm just trying to, to, to cause you to stop and think, is there any truth to the phrases that we parrot because some unbelieving atheist or somebody who doesn't want to be accountable to a holy God made up some things that make them feel better to try to quell the troubles that are in their own conscience. God wrote His law in the hearts of man. And you can say all the little neat little things you can say. You can parrot uh, uh, Dawson and all these different men who fancy themselves to be atheists. But i got news for you. Uh, you'll get troubled on your deathbed if you don't know Jesus Christ and you'll have peace and joy on your deathbed if you do know Jesus Christ and and we're going to stand before Him. I don't understand Him. I've never seen Him with my physical eyes, but I believe Him. Amen. And when He speaks, I believe it, whether I understand it or not. Our text in 2 Timothy 1.12, turn there again if you have turned the page, turn back there. The Bible says, for the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed. Now, here's our text. For I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. I know. That's present tense. Right now I know. I know, Paul writes. Whom I have believed. Watch me now. I know. That's right now, Paul says. He's right in Timothy. Right now. I know. In the present tense, I know. Whom I have in the past believed. That's past tense. So now, today, I know whom I have believed in the past. And am persuaded. Am now. Am presently persuaded. 
So I now know in whom I have back yonder believed. And so I am now persuaded that he, that I believe back there, is able to keep. That's present and future. I am now persuaded that he, uh, I, I now know, excuse me, I now know, that's right now, whom I have in the past believed, and I am now persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed. He is now and in the future able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. And Second Timothy 4, 8 tells us that's the day that we stand before him. Listen, you wouldn't put your money in a bank if you thought it was going to be lost now, would you? No, no. You say, well, how do you know if that's a good bank? Well, it's other people put their money in that bank. Has it had a good return on the investment? Has the money been saved? There's a couple banks out there in Silicon Valley I wouldn't put my money in right now. Well, they don't exist anymore, so we can't do that. But, uh, but, but by past experience, we see that once someone made a deposit and uh, it was there for safekeeping and a return on the investment perhaps, and because of that, now then, we are willing today to make deposits because we believe and trust that that which has been deposited. Based, I made a deposit in the past and it was for safekeeping and I got some interest on that. And so now then, I'm ready to make a deposit now believing on past experience that the bank is able to keep or guard or protect that which I invest and to bring me uh, perhaps some interest down the road, now able, and in the future able, if you didn't believe that, I wouldn't put any money in that bank. And I'm telling you, I have been walking with God in a life of faith since 1979 when He became my personal Savior. And I've learned in the past to trust Him. I've seen that He's worthy of my trust. I've seen that He's been faithful when I put my confidence in Him. And that makes me even more confident today because of what I experienced back there right now I am willing and able to trust him today and for tomorrow and for all of my tomorrows because he's a faithful God Amen. that is 2 Timothy 1.12 I have believed him in the past I trusted him think about this I am persuaded excuse me I know whom I have believed in the past in other words look, look at me Paul is saying this, I trusted him when I really didn't know him. Hey, there's a first time in life you face a tragedy. There's a first time you face a disappointment or a betrayal. There's a first time you experience some difficulty in life. And that first time when you are required... Uh, to trust God and your faith uh, is called upon. Uh, at that time, Paul says, I, I know, I, 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 I am, I persuaded, I know, I know now, I, I know now, by experience, I know. But I, but I trusted when I didn't know. I now know in whom I have believed. Back here when I believed, when I didn't, when I couldn't say by experience, 
that God meets all my needs. When I couldn't see my experience that God would bring me through the trial. He said, there was a time when I trusted Him when I did not as yet know Him. And now then, having trusted Him, I believed Him in the past. I trusted Him when I did not know Him. Now I know Him. He came through. Now I know He keeps His Word. Thus, I am persuaded. I am convinced He'll do it again. He'll do it again. I trusted Him in the past. I know Him now, so I will trust Him in the future. Friends, listen to me. You and I are called to a life of faith. Faith life is not a season of life. It is a way of life. We got in this thing by faith. For me, anybody else saved in 1979 by chance? Anybody in the room saved in 1979? Brother Don Nance? Too bad yours didn't stick. Uh, No, just kidding. (laughs) So, Brother Don and I, been on this spiritual journey the, 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 the same amount of time. We were born again. We were both became children of God in 1979. <clears throat> that's when I. That's how I got in the family of God. I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ as my Savior. Well, guess what? <clears throat> that faith is a way of life. I got saved by faith. But the Bible says, Paul wrote to the church at Corinth. He said, we walk by faith and not by sight. We walk by faith. Now, let me tell you something. My flesh likes sight. My flesh likes That which I know to be secure. My flesh likes certainty. My flesh likes comfort. My flesh does not like vulnerability. My flesh does not like unsolved problems. Unanswered questions. My flesh doesn't want to walk by faith. My flesh wants to walk by sight. But I'm saved by faith. And I'm called to walk by faith. Which means I'm learning every day to trust God in situations I can't explain. In problems that are too big for me to fix. In, in relational issues that are beyond my control, I'm learning to walk by faith. And every day that I walk by faith, I become more and more persuaded. And I look back and I say, I know whom I have believed. And I am persuaded that He is able to keep that which I've committed unto Him against that day. Amen. The God who brought me from 1979 to 2023 is a God that's going to bring me to 2023. How long do I want to live? Let's see. Uh, until the day he takes me home. Amen? I remember that step of faith as a boy. I was sitting on the third row. I hear Miss Jackson sitting. And uh, sat right there under conviction of the Holy Ghost. I had laid in my bed. I don't know how many times. Half a dozen, ten. I don't know. But I was... Uh, Brother Souter talked about those imaginations this morning at the Sunday school hour. And I lay in bed at night under conviction of the Holy Ghost <clears throat> on my way to hell, and the Spirit of God was showing me that. Now, I have sincerely, as a six-year-old boy, I prayed the sinner's prayer. <clears throat> I was baptized. I did that sincerely. And by the way, uh, the Holy Spirit's faithful. Amen? My testimony is proof of it. A whole, the Holy Spirit's faithful. Children ought to be dealt with about their soul. He said, what if there's some unfinished business? The Holy Spirit's faithful. Amen. And he was faithful to me. And, uh, and so I came to the realization that, uh, that I uh, was a lost sinner, which I had not done before. And so I, I, I hesitated to agree with the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit said, you're lost and going to hell. And I said, well, you know, I might be. I might not be saved. And so I'd say, Lord, if I'm not saved, save me now. <laughs> Let me help you. Try going to the hospital and saying, I'm not sure, but I might need heart surgery. And if, uh, How about go ahead and sign me up for heart surgery? They're going to laugh you out of the building. You can't have heart surgery until a surgeon says, you have to have heart surgery or you're going to die. 
And then you have to agree with the heart surgeon and say, yes, you're right, I need heart surgery, and I want heart surgery, sign me up, right? And you can't go to God and say, well, I don't know, I might be lost, I might, I might be a sinner, I might not be a sinner, you know. No, you have to, uh, no, I am a sinner, and sinners go to hell. Everybody with me on this? And so there I was as a little eight-year-old boy, almost nine years old, and, and, and I realized I was a lost sinner, and, and, and the Holy Spirit was telling me I was a lost sinner, and I almost agree with him, almost agree with him, almost agree with him, except I didn't. I kept saying, well, you might be right about that, Lord. If I am a sinner headed for hell, well, then I, 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 I pray, I pray, Lord, save me, Lord, save me, Lord, save me. And do that night after night and get no peace about it. And I thought maybe, you know, sometimes preachers, when they, we preach or pray, they, their voice quivers a little bit. Oh, God, like that. I thought maybe my voice quiver a little bit. That'll help out, you know. And none of that, none, the preacher prayer, none, none of it worked. And so finally, on a Wednesday night, just as miserable as I could be, under the conviction of the Holy Spirit, Dr. Settle gave the Bible study the message on a Wednesday night. In the spring of 1979, I got out of my sickness. I said, I need to be, I walked up here. I said, I need to be saved. Dr. Settle said, are you sure? Because <laughs> I was such an angel. Everybody thought I was saved. And why are you laughing? Uh, anyway, but everybody thought I was saved. I thought I was saved. But the Holy Spirit was showing me otherwise. And I had to exercise my faith and trust that God's word to me and my soul was true. And I got out and agreed with the Holy Spirit. I'm lost. I need to be saved. And my dad took me off there and went out this side door over here. Went in and he showed me this gospel. We got down. We prayed together. And, and you know what? I'm saved because I put my faith in Jesus Christ. Amen. Now listen, if somebody asks you a question, if you die today, you know for sure you're going to heaven. And you start thinking about, well, I got baptized. Why did I used to go to church? I try to treat people the way they want to be treated. What you are telling yourself, what you are telling yourself is that which you're depending on to get you to heaven. May I help you? When someone asks that question and in your mind you begin to convince yourself, well, I'm a good person. I treat people the way they ought to be treated. I try to live by the Ten Commandments, even though you can't even quote the Ten. But I try to live by the Ten Commandments. You are fooling yourself. You're convincing yourself. And I'm telling you, listen to me, the only way that you can be saved to get in the Christian life is understand I'm a sinner. I'm lost, headed for hell. Not, not be headed for hell. I'm headed for hell. I need Jesus to be my Savior. Amen. That's salvation. I got in it that way. Now, when I got in that thing of salvation, I had to take another step. God wants me to be baptized. I think it was the next Sunday or maybe the next. I don't remember. But it was very shortly thereafter. I went forward in the church and I got in that baptistry signifying that I was identifying with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. My entire life as a Christian has been one other step after another step. A very significant one came in 1985 as a 10th grade young man as I surrendered my life to the Lord Jesus Christ to do His will, which brought me to this place now as a pastor in the will of God. And it's been one step after another step after another step. Paul said this, I know that God whom I put my faith in on the road to Damascus when he knocked me off my horse and blinded me and said, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? That Savior that I met on the road to Damascus, I've learned to walk with him. I've learned to trust him. And you talk about some trials and troubles. The Apostle Paul been beat with rods, shipwrecked, repeatedly imprisoned, scourged over and over again 
falsely accused and he said, I've trusted him all the way. And he writes to young Timothy in the latter days of his life and he says, Timothy, let me tell you something. I am fully persuaded. I've lived it my life. I put my trust in him and he proved himself faithful. In trials, he proved himself faithful. In the shipwreck, he proved himself faithful. Falsely accused, he proved himself faithful. And I'm absolutely persuaded that he's able to keep what I commit to him unto that day right there. We came here by faith, 1995. We came by faith. We we had uh, we had little to no money. My wife uh, she she they gave a party for her and uh, a little little going away thing in the in the office there where she worked and took up some money for her. And uh, and so we, we we had we had we had some gas money. Well, we're coming. We're coming by faith. Came down here and uh, got an invitation. We came down. Bailey's Grove Baptist Church needed a pastor. There was 41 people in the first service. And uh, I counted them. <laughs> and um, anyway, we'll, uh, th- th- we went back that night. Taught Sunday school, preached Sunday morning, preached Sunday night. And uh, it was five men in the service that night. And, and, uh, and we, uh, we, uh, th- they, they said, we're going to have a business meeting. I said, I want to be here for the business meeting. So I went to McDonald's, got a cup of coffee. I didn't drink coffee really much at the time, but it just seemed like a thing to do. Anyway, I got my cup of coffee. And about 20 minutes later, they came and said, we'd come back. We went in, and they said, we'd like for you to be our pastor. I said, I want to sleep on it. It's a big decision. And, but I, I felt it already in my soul. But my principal said, let me sleep on it. And uh, Brother Steve Hogan called me the next morning about 7 o'clock before he went to work. And uh, said, Pastor, has God give you an answer? I said, yes, I believe the Lord wants us to come. Nobody said anything about money. And, uh, and so we went up, got our stuff, and came back. And that next Sunday night. The church has been in existence since 1984. And I'm not saying other churches ought to do this. I'm not saying this is right for anybody else. I'm just telling you how the Lord led us. And right or wrong is what we did. The first uh, first Sunday night that I was actually the pastor, uh, the five men in the service that Sunday night, I said, fellas, can I meet with you? I said, uh, listen, I... I uh, I've been just finished school, two degrees, worked my way through. We we have no student debt or anything like that. And I said, uh, uh, I would like to just serve the church full time. And uh, I, not above getting a job. I, again, I've, I've worked since I was 15 years old. I'm not above getting a job. But I would like to pastor full time. I'd like to serve, work full time for the church and try to win as many people to Christ and reach people. And the men looked at me and they said, well, Pastor, we don't have enough, we don't bring enough money in for, for a salary. I said, I know that and God knows that too. I said, but well, why don't we just step out by faith? And, uh, and, uh, and I said to one of those men, I said, what does it take to live here in Ashburn? I don't know you men live here. What does it take to live? Somebody said, well, you live on this much. I said, all right, why don't you men right now vote to take care of my needs and me and my wife. And I said, we'll go to work. And, uh, and, and, and I'll knock doors and, and I'll try to reach people for Christ. He said, well, not, not be done that way. I don't know if that's the way you're supposed to do it or not. I just know God's blessed it. Amen. I know God's blessed it. I believe God blesses every step of faith that we take. Amen? And I love what I do. Listen, I love, I love, uh, and I'm so thankful, church family. I want to say this. Uh, there's several folks that are here that were there almost 28 years ago. You were there that night. And I want to thank you. I want to thank you for your confidence and, and, and being willing to trust other servants of God who recommend a little 25-year-old young man who had no experience whatsoever as a pastor. None, no pastoral experience whatsoever. I had to win souls. I preached a lot before that, but I never pastored a day in my life. And a group of people said, we'll walk by faith, Pastor. You want to lead us by faith, we'll walk by faith. And everything we've done in the last 27 and a half plus years has been a step of faith after a step of faith after a step of faith. We, walk, we, needed some, we were busting out the seams over here. We need to bust out the back wall of the old auditorium over there. Make some room. I started looking on the 
on, uh, 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 around on the TAPS map and found out there's a building right over here we call it the Wicker Building now. And uh, we need some more space. And so I looked it up. It was owned by a man named Bob Wheelis. I went to see Bob Wheelis, who owned Arch Knitting Company, right behind the city golf course. And I said, Mr. Wheeling, I said, I'm John Shook, pastor of Bailey's Go Baptist Church. I want to buy your building on 111 West Beasley Street. He said, it's not for sale. I said, I know, sir, but it's not occupied either. I said, I'd like for you to sell it for us, uh, sell it to us. And I'm, I'm prepared to offer you $90,000 for the building. He said, well, that's interesting. He said, somebody's already been in my office, offered me 115000 I said, well, I'm offering you 90000 He said, why, if I was going to sell the building, why would I sell it to you for 90000 if I already know I can get 115000 I said, because, sir, I don't know what the other fellow's going to do with the building, but I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to clean it out. We're going to put chairs in there, and we're going to set up classrooms, and we're going to run buses up and down the streets of this city, and we're going to invite people to Sunday school and church, and we're going to bring a boatload of people in and a bunch of little kids. We're going to put them in a room. We're going to tell them how Jesus loves them, how he died on the cross for them, rose from the dead. He can forgive them and save their sins, uh, save them from their sins and give them a new life in Jesus Christ. That's what we're going to do, and that's why I believe God's going to give us that building. He looked at me and said, let me think about it. About a week later, he called me, and I went back over there. I said, yes, sir, Mr. Willis. He said, I don't really know why I'm doing this. He said, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that bill for 90000 I said, thank you, sir. We shook hands. I walked out there. I said, whoa, we're going to get the building. And I said, whoa, where are we going to get $90,000? <laughs> we didn't have it. But the Lord helped us. And this man's been here for just about every bit of that. Several of you have been back here. Brother Freddie, I see you and Sister Faye for most of all those years, a bunch more of you. And you, you all know, you Patsy, you can testify. It's been one step of faith after another step of faith after st- another step of faith after another step of faith. And I know him whom I have believed. And I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. Can I say a couple things to you? I don't need to know all that people are saying. Or even if what they're saying is true. But I do need to know what God has to say on the matter. You know, there's a lot of experts today. Experts often disagree. Folks come to me and very sincerely said, Pastor, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. This is my situation. And I got my... I got some loved ones over here, some family, and they tell me I ought to do this. And I'm in a crisis, and my, this person over here tells me, and I got a friend, they tell me to do this. And it seems like all my friends are telling me to do this. And Pastor, I just I want to make the right decision. This is just an important situation. And what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? And I said, well, uh, let's see what God has to say about it. The Bible says this. But I don't know how I'm going to do this. That's what God said. That's what God said. Yeah, but Bob, these are good people. Well-meaning people? Yeah. People that love you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. People concerned for you? Yeah. 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 Good people? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's what God said. Now you got a choice. Listen to me. You got a choice. You got a choice. I didn't mean I don't love people. Doesn't mean I don't respect them. Doesn't mean I don't value good advice or wisdom. Yes, we ought to seek knowledge and wisdom from others. But we must also remember that. The best of men are men at best. We're all just people. But we have a book, and it's God's book, and God is infallible. Amen. And we walk by faith and not by sight. We have a lot of experts that have come across our path. Every generation, there's folks that fancy themselves experts. 
Oh, 50, 60 years ago, Benjamin Spock fancied himself an expert wanted to teach us all how to rear children. Wrote about it. became the philosophy of society at large. Don't spank a child. You'll warp his creativity. No, no, don't, 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 don't discipline a child. Uh, he, needs to, he needs to grow. He needs to be able to express himself. Well, you know what? That generation grew up and another generation after they expressed themselves quite well. They go up and down our streets and they burn down our buildings. They set things on fire. You listen to me. You know who those, you know those adults are? They're little children whose mamas and daddies listen to a philosophy from the world instead of what the Bible says. Train up a child the way he should go. When he's old, you not depart from it. Spare not the rod, the Bible says. If you love the child, you're going to discipline the child. That's what the Bible says. You say, well, I don't know if that kind of, God, that goes against my sensibility. We're a more civilized society. Have you watched the evening news lately? Civilized? Let me tell you something, my dear friend. Walking by faith means learning to trust God and take Him at His word and walk in harmony with God's word and God's truth even when it cuts against the grain of society. I think about couples who get mixed signals from friends and family and lawyers and even strangers. And I know this is tender territory, but let me help you. I'm not saying there's no such thing as a sincere lawyer. But why in God's name do you want to give money to a man to make his BMW payment when you have God's people at your access and you could sit down with somebody with a Bible and get some counsel? Are you too proud to do that? Well, I don't think it's right to stay together for the sake of our kids. If the kids aren't a good reason to stay together, please tell me what is. Help me say amen. Yes. Listen, we need to walk by faith, not by sight. We live in a day of approval ratings and polling. Certain percentage of Americans think this now, certain, as, if that, as if that means anything. Well, a certain percentage approve of this person, a certain percentage approve, approve, disapprove of this person. Let me tell you something, my dear friend. When it comes to truth, we have a book, amen, and it's God's holy word. Holy men of old spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. All scriptures given by inspiration of God is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction, and righteousness, righteousness that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. I have in my hand a final authority for right and wrong, amen. I don't need to know all that people are saying on a matter. But I do need to know what God has to say. Because our text in Titus chapter 1 says He cannot lie. Take your Bibles and turn to Ecclesiastes 7. Let me give you another thought. Ecclesiastes 7, Psalms, Proverbs, and then you'll find the book of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes. Chapter number 7. In the middle of your Bible, you'll find the book of Psalms and then Proverbs and then the book of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes chapter 7. Look at verse number 20. Ecclesiastes 7, verse number 20. For there is not a just man upon the earth that doeth good and sinneth not. How many of you say amen to that? There's no such a perfect person, right? Amen. There is not a just man upon earth that doeth good and sinneth not. Look at verse 21. Also, take no heed unto all words that are spoken, lest thou hear thy servant curse thee. For oftentimes also thine own heart knoweth that thou thyself likewise hast cursed others. Take no heed unto all words that are spoken unto thee. Mr. Alyssa Brad texted me yesterday, wished me a happy birthday. Brother Brad didn't have nothing to do with the things of God. I'd go to his hospital room, he'd, he'd curse. <laughs> he'd, 
I guess try to shock me and get me out of the room. I just lingered longer. Amen. Tried to express my love. Miss Alyssa kept on faithful, winning souls, teaching Sunday school. Eleven years later, Brad walked in the door of the church and he got his heart right with God. Amen. Amen. Miss Edna's out today because she has a heart valve that's not well, but she sits on the back row back there on the corner. And uh, in the Sunday school hour, and her, her son Tommy, his little girl, uh, Gail, won the Wally B.B. bus scholarship, and she was a bus kid. She was, she was coming on the band before I became the pastor here. And uh, as she came, and she had a sweet testimony, and, and she, she won a full scholarship to go to Bible college because she's called to ministry. And uh, she had a crisis in her life, and that threw us together with her dad. And we, uh, Ms. Shook and I went to her in her crisis, and we did everything that we could to help her. And I remember her dad when he said, uh, in the middle of that crisis, when he said, you know, I realize, I'd go, I'd go to their house on Saturday. Tommy would be drinking every Saturday, every Saturday. And I'd go see him, and Tommy would curse. The workers would go by, the soul owners would go by and curse them. The little girl ride that van every, day, every Sunday. I remember her seventh grade year sitting in a youth conference and there was a call to consecration to live for Christ. She was the first one in the youth group to stand up. She wanted to live for Jesus. And by the way, she is living for Jesus today. And uh, But in that crisis, we were thrown together. We drove to another state and Tommy drove to another state and we met at a hospital. And Tommy said, y'all really do care about my family, don't you? I said, Tommy, we love you so much. And we love your daughter. And we do anything in our power to try to help her. He said, I I see that now. And I'll never forget one of the sweetest days of my entire pastorate. It was when Tommy Morgan got out of his seat on a Sunday morning, walked down the front of the church, said, it's about time I got saved. I said, amen it is. And he received Christ and got baptized. Can I tell you something, my dear friend? If I had taken to heart Brad's sharp words, I wouldn't have got to enjoy the dozens of times he'd come up and hug my neck and say, I love you, preacher. If I had taken offense at Tommy and said, well, let's go, you treat us like that, you can just sit here and rot and drink yourself to death, I wouldn't be looking forward to seeing Tommy in heaven again. Take no heed to all the words that are spoken unto you. Let me tell you something. I don't read the blogs. I don't, I don't, I'm not a social media guy. Uh, I, I, I don't need to keep I got enough where I live and enough here to keep up with without trying to keep up with it. and by the way let me just say this I, I'm not saying that can't be used in a wholesome way but if you're not using it in a wholesome way you ought to be honest with yourself why am I going to follow a bunch of backslidden classmates to find out what their latest uh, fornicating escapades are or where they got drunk and who with and this why do I want to know that everybody okay so, Pastor, it's Sunday morning. Don't you know? Yes, I'm aware. Why do I want to fill my mind and heart with that? I don't want to. Let me tell you something. I, 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 listen, I, I, I want to stay grateful and humble and excited. Amen. I got some real good stuff going on at my house. Amen. I don't need what's going on at anybody else's house. I'm not saying it's wrong to communicate. Please understand. But I am saying if that's dragging you down a negative hole and you're feeding your mind on a bunch of gossip, a bunch of problems that you can't solve and and, and fix, why do you need to know what everybody's saying and you're going to take that's going to get in you and get in your heart as we learned in the Sunday school hour and the wise man said, don't take all that stuff to heart. No, no, no. You don't need to know everything that people are saying. 
There's some times you ought to just act like you didn't hear it. Act like it. I remember, this goes all the way back to college days, and uh, some of those gangbangers up in the in the um, uh, north side of Chicago, there's a bunch of Latin kings in that area. They were throwing a football on the street, and I went out there, and I was trying to reach them, running a bus route in that area. I was trying to reach them, and said, hey, let me throw the football with you. I grabbed football, throw a little bit, you know. They started, they were Latin, of course. They started speaking in, uh, in Spanish, and they were using foul words. And, and, I, and I know my cuss words in Spanish now, I'll just let you know. Anyway, but they were using foul words, assuming I didn't know what they was talking about. And they'd say this, and, and they'd use a foul word toward me. And I just kept smiling and throwing the football, act like we were best friends. Now, if I had said, you dirty, filthy, dirty mouth, don't you know I'm a servant of God? <laughs> uh, it might not happen this way. Sometime after that, one of the, those gangbangers in that neighborhood was a boy named Omar, 17, 18-year-old kid named Omar. I witnessed Omar. He's living in a basement apartment. I witnessed him before, but he wouldn't receive Christ as a Savior. But uh, 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 but anyway, he, he was, I could talk to him individually. And uh, I, we were on Armitage Avenue, headed to the highway. It was about a 40-minute ride to the, to the church where our bus route was up in the city. And uh, we were getting on Armitage Avenue. And, and, and Omar comes out, you know, with his crutch, going up the steps. And uh, and I, I looked at him and said, my goodness, what? That's, you know, up early, and uh, and uh, and he and, and and the bus started to drive by. We started to drive right by him, and he threw his uh, crutch up like that, you know. And uh, he was on crutches. He threw his crutch up like that, and the bus driver said, "Stop, stop, stop!" And we stopped and opened the door. And he started getting on the bus. I said, "Oh, what are you doing?" He said, "I'm coming to church." I said, "That's great." I said, "Why are you coming to church?" He said, "Let me tell you something. I got shot this week in a drive-by shooting." He said, my buddies ran off and left me. I was calling for him. Help me, help me. They're going to come back around and kill me, please. And he said, I lay on the sidewalk bleeding. Nobody helped me. And he said, those friends I thought I had, they, won't, they didn't turn out to be much of a friend. I said, I'm your friend, Omar. Come on, get on the Sunday school bus. He did come. He did get saved. Can I tell you something, my dear friend? I, I, I think probably if I had uh, made a deal out of those people talking nasty to me and talking dirty to me in the Spanish language, I doubt I, I would have had a, a chance to influence some of those young men. Take no heed to all the things that people say about you. I, I don't need to. I don't need to take that stuff to heart. First of all, I don't need to know it. Somebody walks up to me, Pastor. You know what? Look, don't come up to me and say, Pastor. You know what folks are saying about you? No, I don't, and I don't want to know. Amen. I don't want to. I don't need to know. Amen. I don't need to know everything that people are saying. Why would I give anybody that's trying to hurt me that much power? Why would I let somebody who has not my best interest at heart but wants to uh, 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 diminish me in some way or criticize me, why would I even give them the time of day? Why would I give them the power to, uh, to, to let them hurt me? Uh, uh, somebody said, my person just gets my goat. Well, tie your goat up. Amen. <laughs> Don't let him get your goat. David was criticized. David was slandered. Jeremiah, they called him a traitor. Paul was forsaken. Stephen uh, was falsely accused and hated. And they, and they, they accused him and they, and they ended up stoning him. Uh, let me tell you something, my dear friend. You and I are not the first one to be criticized. We're not the first one if somebody slights in some way. Some of the silliest things I've ever heard in my life. Someone comes around and says, you know what they say about Baylor's Grove Baptist Church? And it's, I mean, I wonder sometimes if people even stop and think what comes out of their mouth. By the way, you, you, you are a fool if you criticize a person and you never even met him. You go back to Deuteronomy chapter 19 and you read what the Bible says about justice. You read what the Bible says about justice. If a person makes an accusation against another person, first of all, the judge, the, the authorities are not even to receive the accusation 
until there's at least two witnesses. Not two people who heard or read it on Facebook, but two, pe- two people who witnessed it. The witness, that brings it to a level where it should be investigated. Would you like to know, according to Deuteronomy 19, when two witnesses come forward and, and present an accusation and, and they begin the inquisition, they begin the, uh, uh, the uh, investigation part, would you like to know the first person that gets investigated? The one who brought the charge. That's Bible. That was the law that God wrote down for his people when they lived as a theocracy. When somebody came forth with an accusation, all right, we're going to begin an investigation. First thing we're going to do, we're going to investigate these two witnesses and find out if they're honest. Boy, wouldn't that change some things in our, in our nation. Oh, listen to me. I don't, I don't need to know what everyone's saying. I certainly don't need to take it to heart. But I do need to take to heart what God has to say because he cannot lie. And here's what I know when someone says, well, I don't know if anybody loves me. Well, I, I know this. God said, I'm in love with an everlasting love. And someone says, I feel worthless. But I know what God says about that, that I'm bought with a price, the precious blood of Christ. And I'm a priest of God and an heir of God and a joint heir with Christ. And I'm a child of the King and no longer just the son of Adam. I'm a child of God. And I listen to people, they say, well, I, people saying this, and they exclude me, and they didn't invite me over, and I feel like they don't accept me. I don't know about all that. I don't know what people are saying. But I know that God said I'm accepted in the beloved. I'm adopted into the family. And before I chose Him, He chose me. Amen. I know Ephesians 2.10 says that I'm His workmanship created in Christ Jesus under good works. I'm the canvas. Amen. I'm the canvas and He's the artist. Isaiah 64, 8, I know this. Now, O Lord, Thou art our Father. We are the clay and Thou the potter and we are all the work of Thy hands. You say, well, I, I, I'm the clay and He's the potter, but I fell and I was broken and my life's been shattered. And Jeremiah reminds us in eighteen four, and the vessel that He made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter, wait for it, marred in the hand of the potter, wait for it, wait for it. So he made it again. He made it again, another vessel, as seemed good to the potter. That's what he did with David after he sinned with Bathsheba and had Uriah killed. That's what he did with Peter after he denied him three times, cursed and sworn denied him. That's what he did with John Mark after John Mark quit the ministry. That's what he did with Jonah when Jonah ran from the will of God. He took the broken clay, the shattered life, and he made it again. Amen. I don't know what people are saying about you. Probably listen. You say, I don't like people talking about me. Here's what y'all do. They're saying things, and it's not, and it's, mostly it's not true. You, here's what y'all do. Y'all lift your hands to heaven, and you say, thank God, thank God, they're not telling the truth on me. Amen. Thank God they're not telling the truth on me. But there's one who knows everything about me and knows everything about you. And he said, I'm his child. He said, well, I just don't feel like I fit in down here. People exclude me, and people push me away, and I don't have any friends. This marriage in America... It's down 60% right now. There's, a, there's an epidemic of men, and this is around the world, who have withdrawn from society. They're not even seeking relationships. They're not seeking even romantic relationships. They've withdrawn from society. Right? People, I don't fit in here. Nobody loves me. Well, let me tell you something. We sang it a while ago. This world is not my home. I'm just passing through. 
My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's golden shore. And I, I just don't feel at home down here anymore. Amen. I don't want to fit in with the world. Amen. I don't want to fit in with the world. So a man asked me some years ago, Pastor, it would be all right if I went to a bar and he used to struggle with drinking. It would be all right if I went to a bar if I just got a Coca-Cola. Let me tell you something. Listen, that's not your, you're saved. That's not your crowd. Amen. Jesus said, if you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you're not of the world, but I've chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. James 2, 5, hearken, my beloved brethren, hath not God chosen the poor of this world, rich in faith, and heirs of the kingdom which he had promised to them that love him? Hey, so what if we don't have a, a, a big name down here? So what if we don't fit in with the world down here? I've got an inheritance, incorruptible and undefiled, that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for me. First Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, Amen. I know what he says. I don't need to know what everybody else is saying. Let me tell you something. There's a bunch of people in this world you ought to just ignore. Liars. Scorners. Proverbs says a strange woman who flattereth with her words. The foolish man who invites you to do evil. The false teachers. The Bible correctors. Listen, you know what you ought to do, Christian? Some of you used to do this and you need to get back to it. Some of you need converts, need to learn some names of some old-time men of God. Instead of listening eight hours a day to talk radio or boom, 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 whatever it is you're listening to, get on there and look up Lester Roloff, Oliver B. Green, Harold Seitler, Curtis Hudson. My pastor, Dr. Howe's sermons are available. John Rice's sermons are available. Find some of these old men of God who were faithful to the end and fill your mind with something other than whatever your favorite talk show is or news outlet is. I don't know what everybody's saying. Yeah, I'm not, I need advice. I need counsel. I need to go to a doctor sometimes and, and tell me stuff I don't know. I don't need to live in a bubble cut off from society. I need to learn and I need to grow. But let me tell you something. Besides, medicine. Science. Med- it's changing all the time. But here I have a book. Amen. Jesus is the living word. The same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words shall not pass away. Amen. I don't always know what to believe. People say one thing, and that makes some sense sometimes. Some people say this, they comment on society, and that makes a little sense. And sometimes this guy, that makes a little sense. And this guy in the middle, he said it makes a little sense. I don't always know what to believe, but I know who to believe. Let's bow our heads, please. Our heads are bowed, eyes are closed.